Our Favorite Albums is sponsored by Complete Data Systems. As a retailer, you need the best possible tools in your retail store, including bulletproof point-of-sale software. If you want the most complete retail reports possible, check out retailprodemo.com. That is retailprodemo.com. Music and social protest are proper bedfellers. The inclusion of human struggle against its own society goes back as far as the birth of human civilization. Our ancestors used art to convey the struggle against whatever they considered to be oppression from the group that happened to be in charge of that society. Here in America, music defines each generation as much as the clothes we wear or the jargon and the slang we use informally with each other in our day-to-day conversations. From war protest music of the 60s, to the struggle for racial equality in the streets, to the furious long burn of gender equality, and the disillusionment of power from youth gone wild, we suddenly hit a bit of a peaceful period in the 1980s. A decade of excess, and big hair, and leather pants, and weird glamour makeup, and fighting for our right to party, and personal computers, and girls, girls, girls. Generation X came into existence at a rather tranquil time compared to our parents' formative years from previous decades of war and revolution. In the mid-80s, the U.S. became infatuated with a continent a half a world away on the exact opposite side of the globe. At the dawning of the MTV generation, we were introduced to Olivia Newton-John getting physical and Mad Max fighting a roving band of post-apocalyptic biker savages battling over some hot, dry desert. Australia was a Euro society, but one that seemed almost archaic and cosmic, almost like we were watching another planet. Then suddenly, we were baptized in full Australian lore in 1986 with Crocodile Dundee. And suddenly... America was infatuated with Australian culture, and we couldn't get enough of it. We were introduced to a former Australian football player named Jacko on the Energizer battery commercials. Oi! We were introduced to a weird actor named Yahoo Sirius in an odd retelling of history in a movie called Young Einstein. There was a new dance version of Locomotion by Kylie Minogue, who is, by the way, the top-selling female Australian artist of all time. In the middle of this Australian craze, one piece of art stood out above all the others, and that is where we focus today. Midnight Oil is a rock band from Sydney, Australia. They had a bit of a political protest bend to them since their inception in the late 70s. However, they entered a competition to write a song to win a chance to tour the northern and western territory of their homeland in the Blackfella Whitefella Tour in 1986, and that tour set their lifelong course towards social protest for the native inhabitants of their country. In this episode of Our Favorite Albums, we head to the land down under to break down one of my favorite albums of all time. This is Midnight Oil's 1987 album, Diesel and Dust. Our Favorite Albums is a commentary, criticism, and music review podcast. All tunes are copyrighted and owned by the artist, not us. We just have to tell... (laughs) Motherfucker. We are just here to tell our opinions, which obviously are our own, and don't reflect any artist, a sponsor, or whatever. This is... 
our favorite album. This is Our Favorite Albums, a podcast where we break down one of our favorite albums, giving you the history, the stories, all of the background that we can come up with that make these albums our favorites. My name is Michael. With me, as always, is my co-host and partner, Jason. Dingoes ate my baby. (laughs) Oh, that's right. We are doing Australia today. Oh, yes, we are. Yeah. So Boy, did Australia have a moment in the 80s here in the U.S. or what? I mean, it was just how many, boom. T- how many times have we used the word zeitgeist? A lot. A lot. And yeah, <laughs> if, if you don't know that word, uh, it's, a, it's a German concept of the spirit of the, the spirit time. Of the, the spirit of the times. Spirit of the time. The, the mood of the moment. Yeah. This is what's going on right now. Sometimes it hits. And uh, in the 80s, for whatever reason, we were completely consumed with Australia. And it was, right? it was for a little while. But yeah. when it hit, it hit was the biggest thing ever. Um, you know, people were buying the Crocodile Dundee hats for crying out loud. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it, that's not a knife. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Did you have one of those knives? I did. I did, I did actually. <laughs> I don't think any self-respecting child our age did not have one of those knives. Oh, of course not. You, know, you left out NXS. Yeah. Which a huge Australian band. Massive. Massively exploded here in the U.S. And yeah. I, I were more popular than... Uh, probably sold more albums than uh, these guys did. Yeah. You know, um, they, they were huge. And so... Funny that you mentioned in excess uh, because I was down to uh, the album Kick or this album when I was picking it. Gotcha. Uh, Because I love the album Kick. You were feeling Australian. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, right? But they are—they're really two vastly different albums. They—you could not pick two albums more apart. But you—but that's like. That's like saying everybody. We did Texas last time. Right. That's like saying that just because you had two bands from Texas, it's surprising that they sounded different. Australia is a rather large country. Yeah, it is, uh, and, and it's very strange. Um, in that, if if you were just pluck an Australian out and pluck, I don't know, some random American out and put them right next to each other, you might not know which one's American or which one's Australian, right? Well, it was, when we were getting ready to do this, I was thinking about it, and the population of Australia is. 25 million people it's, it's the size of texas okay. basically right yeah and if you think about it and I'm, I'm i don't hope i don't make any australians mad with this analogy or texans for that matter but it's it seems kind of similar i mean you've got like a large like rural kind of wild west mm-hmm. kind of part yeah. both of them and you've got some very uh some large metropolitan cities that are full of culture i mean one of the, one of the iconic images of australia is the uh, you know the sydney opera house which yeah. is this beautiful architectural uh, it, it looks like clam shells, right? Like three clam yeah, yeah, shells. Yeah, right, right there on the water. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it, it, it's one thing to say that you got two different bands that came out that sound so different, but once again, this is a, a country much like the the state that we live in that is just a dramatically. It, it's a place full of contradictions, if you sure. will. I would say. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and so, what I thought we might do is let's just kind of take a step back here, because this album really is foreign. Uh, I I think that. Uh, so many times, most of the people, when, when they hear this album, so many times they're going to go, oh, is that the uh, Beds Are Burning group? Sure. Well, well, Beds Are Burning is the, I mean, that's the lead track off of this, and obviously the most famous song on here, so yeah. I think you could excuse a lot of people with 
when you ask them about midnight oil going, oh, that's the beds are burning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they had they had that hit. They had a couple others here, and I think they had a hit off their next album. But then they kind of vanished into the ether, right? Right. Well, and there was a good reason for that, and and one that we will explore extensively as okay. we get into this. Why did this band? Uh, were they a one-hit wonder? Well, they weren't actually. Uh, oh no, definitely not. Yeah. So uh, Diesel and Dust uh, came out in 1987 by Midnight Oil, and this was their sixth album. Uh, they were somewhat, uh, uh, some, somewhat of a, I, I don't, I don't want to say like a pub band in Sydney, uh, because they were playing to some pretty good size, pretty good size halls, uh, maybe one or 2000 people at a time, you know, would, would pack these places, but this is Australia. And if there's one thing that I learned from Crocodile Dundee is that they drink a lot and they love to fight. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and like, like half of the deadly animals on the planet are all from Australia. I think that's uh, correct. Yeah. And so, I mean, these, this is a rugged uh, hardy sure. group. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's the West, you know, sure. it's, it's a big West. Yeah, sure. Um, but let's talk history. How did the country of Australia come to be? Uh, Britain <laughs> right. happened to stumble across this, upon this nice little Island yeah, in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of nowhere and thought it'd make a great place to drop some people off that they didn't necessarily need to have back at home anymore. And what kind of people did they drop <laughs> off? It was a penal colony. It was a penal colony. <laughs> it was a giant prison. And it absolutely was. They took the worst of the worst and they sent these people down to this hot, dry desert where it took forever to get down there. Uh, and once they got down there, there were deadly animals everywhere. I mean, uh, it was a little bit of a rough place to cut your teeth on. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, uh, <laughs> once these euros uh, that had been transplanted onto this uh, onto this continent, onto this dry, dusty continent, uh, once they started putting together their society, this was a rough and tumble group, right? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, the singer is Peter Garrett, and Peter Garrett is uh, gosh, is he... famous for being tall, lanky, and bald. I mean, he's got yeah. some weird he. His dance movements on stage are uh, goofier than David Burns. So, I mean, real yeah. jerky, right? Yeah. Um, so Peter Garrett is six foot four. Uh, he's bald. I think he might have eyebrows. I'm not one hundred percent sure that he does. Uh, but he looks like doesn't he look like an extra out of a Mad Max movie? He, he absolutely yeah. does. He, uh, he really does. Yeah. And so if if you think like like the guy a, that runs the watering hole or something, <laughs> yeah. So if uh, if if Britain took like some crazy berserker out of a of a prison and like dropped him off in there and then made him live out in the middle of the sand with no that would water be his great great grandfather yeah i mean that, yeah. that's stop that that's his look sure right? um but but then again before we get ahead of ourselves on this thing by the way um there are there's some lead up to this these guys were in the 70s but i mentioned olivia newton john uh she was in greece she was in xanadu and she had that let's get physical right and so she was just like all about like right when mtv hit i mean that was oh absolutely she yeah she was everything right uh but what about kylie minogue though that's the greatest australian selling artist of all time like, i mean really like i didn't female know artist. yeah yeah she she sold more music than any other female from australia kylie minogue no kidding yeah uh 1983 minute work they were the new cameras of the year yeah that's right yeah and so it, who can it, it be now yeah who can it be now and uh the do you come from a London down under? Yeah, and the Vegemite sandwich and all that. Yeah, and so we were introduced to the, this this uh, this like really interesting little place that, gosh, I, I don't know that we could help from falling in love with it. Well, sure. And you made a comment earlier about it being like kind of from the like from another world kind of thing, and and so there is a lot to that, right? I mean, the, the people that the, the people that were there 
when the Europeans showed up are different than anything else that exists in the rest of the entire Absolutely. world. Yeah. So, you know, we here in America, we've got the native peoples that were here when we got there, but they're nothing like Australian culture, you know, what the Australians were. So if That's you right. see you see pictures of that or you see stuff like that in the movie, it didn't look anybody from Africa or Asia or anywhere. Completely yeah. different culture, completely That's different right. traditions. And so they, it did, they it, look different. Their skin looks different. Their skin looks different. Their hair, hair looks different. different. Yeah. yeah. It, it did almost look like science fiction in yeah. a lot of ways because it was completely different than anything we'd been exposed we, to over on the other side sure. of the world. Yeah. Sure. And then when you got Mad Max as like the backdrop to the uh, beautiful <laughs> to the uh, to the the way the country looks, you know, you kind of man, is everybody over there crazy? And then like the mainstream guy, as you mentioned, is Crocodile Dundee, who's got a stupid this massive hat and his big knife and yeah. rolls around New York beating up the people that are supposed to beat up everybody else. Almost, you almost know? like it's a superhero. Crazy. Almost right? like a superhero. That's exactly what I was trying to get at. Yeah. You remember the movie when uh, there's a wildebeest? Uh, or a yak or a gnu or something like that. Yeah, and he like puts his fingers and like looks Aww. it in the eye and like talks it down and makes it go to sleep or something. Yeah, like, like he had this like, like this magical dealing with the animal's ability. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, really like like a superhero, but they're like the superhero from this this weird country. And so you, you mentioned the the um, the native Australians. There are two types of native Australians. Uh, you have what we know as the Aboriginal Australians. Like the Aboriginal. And that's, right. that, those, that's the group of people that we most see in movies. Right. right? I mean, that's the most... Crocodile Dundee had, okay. it, had gotcha. his... Uh, I can't remember the, the, the character's name. It was something like Phil or something like that. Right. Um, but if you remember, they had the scene where they go and they're actually doing a... Uh, it's the, like a ritual of some kind. Yeah, a ritual yeah, 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 the fire. Right? I haven't seen that movie in a few years, by the way. Yeah. I'm doing my best. Yeah. Um, but the Aboriginal people have a very distinctive look to them. Right. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, anthropologically, the Australoid people, uh, they have a, a specific DNA, just like right. Caucasoid or, or just like one of the other, uh, you know, anthropological right, right. people of the world. Are, these are very specific people. But there's also a group that we uh, don't talk about and don't know very much about, and that's the Torres Strait people. Okay. Uh, they are Papuans that at some point in the last ice age they walked over. over yeah okay and very similar to uh some of the people in the in the south pacific islands sure uh, like indonesia uh is what their dna looks like okay um, but these people as well lived on this island for thousands of years before before the well, european showed before up Europeans for the british showed up, showed up yeah right uh, and this was their land uh and and the really sad thing about this and, and I, I, let me let me do a quick run through of, of our group but the really sad thing is how poorly these native people were treated when this album came out when beds are burning came out uh what did you think it was about what did you think that this album was about well i mean i was young i obviously probably wasn't paying a huge amount of attention to the lyrical content sure uh but you know based on the videos it's not hard to figure out right? but that's gonna say based on the videos alone for the two because they had two major tracks that did a lot here in the u.s right. uh, which is dead heart and beds are burning which are both very obviously about the struggles of these people. I mean, the, the, it's, the, it's, it's time to pay the rent. We need to give the land back, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. It was pretty – they weren't exactly subtle about what they were singing about. Not, not at all. And I remember as a kid when I would hear this – I, I and, and the videos, once again, that's what I was The videos were full of the people that they were singing about. Yeah. And like video imagery of uh, the sacred rock, which, you know, that they, was what they were talking about, about giving the rock back. Right. And it's, it's a mountain, Let's really. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the videos were full of that imagery. So if it was like a crash course, I'm sure, for a lot of people in the U.S. and Europe that had no idea what was going on uh, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I got to say, when, when I heard this song as a kid, I thought – why are they singing these songs about Native Americans? You know, like, how, oh, sure. how, yeah. how did these Australians know anything about the plight of, of uh, <laughs> like, the Choctaw Indians here in, sure, you know, sure. here in Texas or whatever? Uh, 
Because the song is not really all that hard to decipher, other than the fact that the words are hard to understand. Well, and also you're missing the context. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, you're, why are they singing about I had, this? Because I had you no idea. have the context. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. They're talking about Indians. That's what they're talking about. It's got to be about sure, Indians sure. because, you know, they're talking about the white man came and took the land away. Right. Had no idea that they had done the same fucking thing across <laughs> on the other side of the planet. Sure, sure. Right? Uh, so, it, you know, this is part of that colonialism and sure. taking over. Uh, you mentioned Mad Max. Uh, Mad Max was uh, late uh, 79 or 80s when that was first, the first one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there was an entire like, uh, three in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we were totally obsessed with Lord Humongous and uh, just woke away. Remember that? That's right. That's right. <laughs> just and, then, and then we got we got Tina Turner in the third one. And that was pretty much the end of that franchise for Thunderdome. 20 years, yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, hey, but they, they even brought it back and did another one. Two years ago? And it was an awesome movie. It was fantastic. Yeah, we're still fascinated Proof with Proof that Australian. we still like Australia and blown up worlds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not Sydney we were looking at, right? Right, right, right. We're looking at the Northern Territory. That's like Northwest, right? Like that's out in the, that's out in the bush or whatever they call yeah. it. That's out in the country. Yeah. Over there, yeah. So uh, quick geography lesson. Sydney, if you're looking at, um, if you're looking at the rock of Australia, is on the bottom right. Uh you have Canberra, which I believe is kind of like the Washington D.C. of uh, of Australia. It is on the I believe. Let's see here. Perth is up over on the west side. Canberra is up on the north side, and then you have this entire area uh, called the Northern Territory right. that is it, humongous, desolate, giant desert. Yeah. Where the brown snake runs around, and all these crazy ass spiders. And the Aboriginal people right, right. live there, right? Uh, and then you have the Western Territory. And so in, inside the Western Territory, it, there's nothing out there. There was a movie called Rabbit Proof Fence that came out about 15 years ago. Do you I remember, remember that? that, actually. Yeah, yeah, I do. About, about those three little kids uh, that the the, the, the angle... <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to try to turn this into like some like big, big racial strife thing. But the Anglos of Australia had treated these people pretty bad. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, and there were these three little girls on a rabbit-proof fence that were trying to escape to get back to their to their yeah, parents, I remember the movie. right? I remember the movie. Yeah. And, and to your point about not like over-politicizing this, I mean, I, this is another country. This was – this would be you – know, us trying to uh, – have a political conversation about one on one on in Australia would be like somebody in Australia doing a podcast about Texas politics. You <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. You know, at some point, you go, eh, let's just all we can read the history books and stay in our lane. How's that yeah. sound? You well, know, I mean? my buddy Furley asked me when I told him what we were doing. He goes, you know, did you guys really have to wade into this right now? Because right now we're in the middle. That of was it. that was the same question I had when you picked the yeah, album. <laughs> but, but the truth was, this has nothing at all to do with right. the current situation that's going Which on. Which is an album you wanted to talk about. Yeah, th- this is an album that I want to talk about. And really, the, the two fights are two vastly different things. Uh, it could be about light skin and, white, and, and dark skin. Uh, because we'll get to the point that the tour that they were on, uh, the band, was called the Blackfella Whitefella. Yeah, they went on, uh, it was a... One of the it was an Aborigine band or one of the one of the two groups, mm-hmm. and uh, they had a pretty popular band, and they actually went on tour with them. Is that yeah. that's what you're talking about? There? That, that's exactly it. So, uh, I'm, did I'm I a, jump ahead of you? No, I no, no, no. You're, you're totally okay. Um, there was a competition where uh, they opened it up to who could write the best song that describes the the plight of of the Aboriginal people, and. Uh, the group Midnight Oil, that was an established group that uh, kicked around in, in pubs and stuff, uh, they put together three songs 
Uh, and the one that won was a song called The Dead Heart. Right. Um, and I got to tell you, The Dead Heart is probably my favorite song in this album. Is it really? I love, love, love this song. This whole album, I... I can't tell you how many times I've listened to it. Now I've listened to it a bunch in the last uh, since since you last and I have, two three weeks. Yeah, I've yeah. listened to it quite a bit. Uh, and every time I go back through it, I hear something else. I hear something else that I pick up and I go, "Crap! I never realized that was there. I never realized that one in the song Bull Roarer when mm-hmm. we come up to it. I didn't realize at the very first there's a bull roar, which is a stick yeah, it's tied the, to a string. that they spin. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I had to look that up too. I didn't know what that sound was. Yeah, di- didn't realize that was in there. Or the song right before that, which is called Whoa. Right. I, I didn't realize that they're mimicking, they're doing an onomatopoeia of uh, a didgeridoo. You know, I did not know that. I mean, that, that's what they're doing. I had never listened to this album as a whole. Really? Yeah, just the tracks. I don't think I ever owned it, actually. Really? So I just list, I'd listened to the uh, the two the two main tracks mm-hmm. that were you know on MTV and everything else. And I, I will say that this album reminds me of another Australian export. Okay, which one? The Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> it's, it's not terrible, but it wouldn't be my first choice. Funny, funny that you say that. <laughs> the Outback Steakhouse came about that same time, right? It, it, it blue, absolutely did. Blooming onion and, and all that. onion. Yeah, we, we we have a friend who's from that part of the world, not from Australia, but he's from that part of the world. Uh, Paul, I'm so sorry. We are going to mimic whatever we think that it sounds like down there. But listen, listen, he's from the slightly smaller place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the even more remote. <laughs> right, but that's where they filmed all. He's, our friend Paul is from New Zealand. Yeah. Right to all of us assholes, they sound the same. <laughs> he would he would tell you their accents very very different. Well, I mean, it, when I when I first started understanding Australian culture, I, I just thought it was like some other part of Europe. Like right, it was somewhere around UK or something like that. Sure, like, well, I don't I mean, know, it's like a totally different. Well, the accents vaguely similar to what we would think of as you know the UK stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the band members. Okay, uh, the band members are Peter Garrett on the vocals. Uh, the lead guitarist is a guy by the name of Jim Maginney. Uh Martin Rotzi plays backup guitars, and by the way, he's a very good guitar player. He is. He is. Uh, he is. I, I enjoy. I enjoy, I enjoy their playing quite a bit, actually. Gotcha. Peter Gifford played the bass on this album, and after the record was recorded, he left the band, uh, and they brought in another guy. So he wasn't the guy that would have been touring with them. No. Ah, okay. All right, interesting. Uh, came up with them, recorded the album, and then for whatever reason, he left the band. Maybe going worldwide was more than he wanted to do. I mean, that happens sometimes, maybe. right? Somebody doesn't want to go be on a crazy tour. Yeah, or, and I think maybe he had some health issues as well. Well, so, I could have played I mean, into There it. was sure, something sure. else there that, for whatever reason, Peter Gifford took a step back, uh, and another guy came in. Okay. Uh, Rob Hurst is on drums. Now, I want to point out that Rob Hurst and Jim McGinney and Peter Garrett wrote just about every song on here. Yeah, they, I noticed that with the uh, writing credits that he was very active. In yeah, that. yeah. Uh, this was recorded at um, at the Albert Studios in Sydney, Australia. It was on Sprint Music originally, but it was distributed to the United States under uh, Columbia CBS. Okay. And the producer was a guy named Warren Livesey. I love the fact that this album is so well recorded. It's so well mixed. It's so well mastered. Uh, th- there's so much, so many times I talk about the, the wall of sound that you can almost like press your hand through like gel. Uh, you can feel so much of the texture within this album. When it was I, I agree with you completely. A lot of that I think has to do with the layering of the guitar parts. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys, the, those two gentlemen play very well together, um, kind of play off each other, uh, riffs versus, you know, broken chords and things like that. And it has a full sound. There's a lot of uh, secondary instruments 
layered into this too. I mean, yeah. There's a huge amount of overdubs and whatnot going on. Th- this was definitely when I when I first pulled this out and started listening to it a few weeks ago. When you said this is what we were going to do, there is that very specific to the time amount of like mix-ins and things like that. Like in beds are burning. There's that drum bake that like like really overly done like electronic drum break thing, right. which was all over the place in the 80s right i mean this was some producer came up with the button and everybody was using it i guess but so there's a lot of that stuff so (laughs) it had to be the rolling 808 probably so (laughs) but yeah so when you put it on it's a very it's a it's a very well recorded album uh it's a very very lush like you said it's very full Uh, it definitely is from the 80s i mean i don't think anybody's going to miss out on that like just production quality and like some of the stuff i was just talking about there but that's not bad it's just you can identify the time period sure Uh, but let's talk about that for a second because you and i had a conversation over the past couple of weeks uh specifically about the singer peter garrett mm-hmm. uh and i told you that i thought he was a grunge pioneer and at first you scoffed i, I did i had to think about that for a second um actually i thought about it quite a bit because but, but you make you make a fair point um and i could why don't you explain why you came up sure. with that i don't want to take sure. words out of your mouth uh, let's talk about peter garrett this is someone who has a law degree this is someone who is very, very smart. His father died uh, in 1973. He was a young man. And his mother died in a house fire uh, in 19, I think, 78 I think it was 77 or 78. Somewhere. I think I read that, yeah. And it was a tragic story. He was actually trying to get to her. She was on the second story of this house. Oh, wow. And he was trying to save her, and he couldn't do it. That'll stick with you. Sit there and watch the house burn yeah. with her in it. Yeah, rough. Um, but he had political aspirations. He ran for the Australian Senate in 1984. Uh, so that was that's interesting that you bring that up because I and I'm, I read that as well. But I had I knew that the I knew the folklore behind him that he went into politics and then he was involved in politics for a long time. I always assumed that it was like after the album hit and he became very popular. Yeah. But he was actually doing involved in politics the whole time that the band was touring and playing, even before they had their big national break. He, I mean, a worldwide was. break. Yeah, and I, that's interesting to me because that's he wasn't just capitalizing. Doesn't seem like he was capitalizing on the success of this album, right? But that it was something he was actually a true believer and was doing it the whole time. He, he, he was yeah. convicted, yeah. and that's something that re- really speaks to me. Someone who is able to, you know, stick with their personal convictions. Sure, uh, yeah. And, and this isn't just social protest as a fad. This is something that this man believes in. He believes in quite a bit. Well, enough to run for office and try and be involved in some changes. He also, if I remember correctly, he ran on like mining rights and yes. a, a whole bunch of stuff. So it wasn't, I mean, a lot of it had to do in general with the indigenous, you know, the aborigines that he was trying to help out. But right. but it was also his mining rights and big corporations stuff and conservation yeah. and you know, the environment, the whole nine. He, he had a pretty large platform. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that um, if, if, we, if we can get out of American, for a second we've got to step out of, of being American here because we have to understand that this album has nothing to do with America. Uh, <laughs> That's we, correct. We, we talked about talk about leftist politics, and I'm sure some of my friends out there are immediately going to turn off. I'm like, well, I don't want to hear anything about these Clinton. You know, but it this has, has nothing to do with nothing that. to do. Australian leftist politics are way different than American they, they, leftist they politics. And most of the countries from the uh, the United Kingdom system have a very different. Like, they don't have two parties. I mean, you right. have multiple parties, and people have to form. How did this turn into a political conversation? <laughs> well, it's a political album. But, but I mean, yeah, I mean, so, so he, he, would, he would have to be, you know, it, it's not one of the situations where if you're in one party, you have a, I mean, a certain thought process, and that's it. I mean, these guys right. have to work as coalitions to form coalition governments. Sure. So it's, it's different from our two-party system and, that we've totally. had. And so it's such a foreign concept, it's kind of hard to grasp, I think. Yeah, R- really good point. Uh, Peter Garrett was a member of the Labor Party. 
Uh, specifically, he was a member of the Australian Federal Parliament after uh, the, the success of the band. Uh, and I mentioned, by the way, that there's a reason that uh, the band hit big and then kind of disappeared. It's because Peter Garrett got into politics. He had a second career. Yeah, like full-time, no shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> like full-time real live, politician. Real yeah, yeah. politician, right? But the whole time he was also, like, they were, I think he took a bit of a, a hiatus away from Benad Oil. Um, but I think they came back together. I think, uh, as I understand it, they would still uh, play shows. I mean, there's a uh, live footage of them playing like benefits and rock festivals and stuff, uh, you know, through the '90s and even into the aughts, and mm-hmm. you know, later on. So, I mean, obviously, they get back together and still play. And I think he's still involved in politics. Isn't he, he absolutely is uh, for like the last twenty something years. I mean, he's full time. Yeah, yeah. He, he dedicated his life to having an effect on the lives of the Aboriginal and the Torres Strait people. Uh, he was fighting for the fact that this was their land. These are native people. Right. Uh, it They seem to be an archaic people, uh, you know, people within the, um, the the anthropological structure that they, it's almost like a callback to 10,000 years ago. Sure. Some yeah. of them kind of still live that way. You right. Know? Um, but the truth is that he felt like his society that he grew up in, this bourgeois uh, Euro society was just kind of raping and pillaging the land, you know, strip mining the, the land and taking them what they could, and then just leaving these people out there, uh, no food. Uh, Jim Maginney has, uh, w- w- I'll get down to this on one of the songs. He he specifically points out that when they first went into one of the uh, uh, the communities, Warakurna, uh, that it looked like they were on. Uh, like a another like a planet moon rock. yeah like yeah. another planet i remember reading that quote yeah, yeah and it, it was just like they come in and there's he said there's like a like a almost like sputnik out in the middle of nowhere like like space <laughs> space junk. yeah space junk just laying there yeah space junk laying out there and then there's a sign that just says strict rules you know right. and then there's the smell of petrol running constantly and these people live out in the desert and they don't have very much water and they don't have any food and uh the education is terrible and their health is terrible sure and, you know, just the, the deplorable conditions that these people live in. Meanwhile, there's a strip mine machine just right. around the corner. They're knocking down rocks well, to use. One thing Australia has a lot of is natural resources. Yeah, so, a lot, yeah. And, and it's crazy that this is the sacred land of these people. Uh, and the people from the more, I don't know, again, I still want to say bourgeois, you know, the, the, the middle class, to upper class people are just kind of coming in and just taking the. Sure. I mean, there's, there's an entire cultural conversation that you can have about why that is right and it's just it, it's one of those things that it is and so mm-hmm. he was doing his best to try and do what he thought to change it he was uh and, and he and, was to a side note to that wouldn't it be think of how different history would have been if we'd ever had a group of people that lived somewhere and when the new people came they didn't happen to be living on the spot that had all the good stuff <laughs> yeah. like throughout history hey, man, you're the one that picked to live on where the gold is right like, like throughout history it's like they're always living on top of the diamond mine yeah. not just slightly off to the right of it and it's and I'm being halfway funny here, but I mean, it would have made it for a remarkably different colonial experience if there. Yeah, and we don't need to move anybody. Everything else is over in the desert, you know. I mean, that's the thing is nobody's really going to like go claim the Mojave Desert, right? Right. Um, not until the, the national parks. Well, know. yeah, but otherwise, why would you want it? So. And, and if you're someone who's who's into the natural beauty of the natural park system, and if you are someone who uh, has has watched that Ken Burns documentary about the national parks, sure, sure. Uh, the beauty and the the splendor and the majesty of the Australian outback that we know uh, it has to call to your soul. Oh, you know? I would think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, even, Just as long as I was there on a guided tour with lots of water and air conditioning. Yeah, you got to see Bug this. spray. Yeah, you got to take me back to where there's a Somebody with a gun. Somewhere. Right. <laughs> uh, Peter Garrett, I mentioned, has a law degree, never practiced. Right, right. Uh, he was. 
the president of the Australian Conservation Foundation from 1989 to 1993. He was the Minister of Environment, Heritage, and Arts. He was the Minister for School Education, Early Childhood, and Youth. He is a member of the Order of Australia. It's almost like knighthood. Uh, that occurred in 2003. Uh, he is six foot four, and he is bald, and he is a little scary, and he's very aggressive. You mentioned his weird, stilted way of dancing. Um, gosh, he's like stiff legs and like jerky, herky. What's that, what's that horror movie that was uh, popular with all the kids a couple years ago, like Slender Man or the something Slender like Man? that with this insanely tall like guy that moves Man. in like yeah. weird angles and stuff? Yeah. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Uh, and I, I have another comparison on uh, the movie Weird Science uh, from 1985. Mm-hmm. When the bikers break in at the end, there's the one bald guy. Yeah. Peter Garrett looks like that, that weird like bald that. guy, right? And uh, if you remember, oddly enough, the leader of that band uh was also the guy from mad max he's australian that's right i forgot about yeah. that uh but six, so much australia yeah it's, everything's australia uh, six foot four and bald uh flannel wearing uh rags wearing does Peter not a u.s rock star in the 80s make i mean they were not getting a they weren't getting signed over here with him looking like that no no and putting a didgeridoo in the chorus I mean, exactly this, this was not happening what, what, what it would not have happened except for this cultural phenomena with the entire country and their culture in the first place right would we know about the plight of the aboriginal people if not for the fact that crocodile dundee was so popular no not as anything other that's a very good point by the way not as anything other than an academic experience as a class but most people wouldn't know but i mean it would be a footnote yeah there's something you talk about vaguely right i mean as far as it being popular culture we would never yes, know. Yes, that, right? that's exactly right. Uh, it, but the reason that I think that uh, Peter Garrett was one of the pioneers of grunge uh, is I talk a lot about grunge being heartfelt and personal. And there's there's protests. Uh, not just singing about chicks. Yeah, it's not just... It's not the girls, 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 yeah, Sunset Strip stuff. Dudes yeah. with, with teased hair and leather and makeup and, you know, the, the glamour and, you know, just... You know that that whole thing was was so rife in the middle of this thing, and you have this six foot four bald guy who's pissed off and like aggressively wearing flannel shirts and singing about the cockatoo. I, I make a note in here that Peter Garrett's voice sounds like a sponge that has been dipped in paint and splattering against the wall. That's a that's a hell of a vivid image there. Think about how the album starts out. Out, wow, right? Blows. It's almost like smack, just He's like kind of throwing it at you. It just splatter against the wall. He definitely has a serious uh, affectation to the way he sings. Yeah, well, is it affectation or is that just how he talks? Oh, that's a fair point. I don't yeah. know. Uh, now I can tell you when he gets in his higher registers, he actually has a, a really pretty voice. He can he can actually sing, and that's yeah. another. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about this as we get into the songs on the album here in a minute, but. But even though I was given kind of this album a hard time for not being one of my favorites, you can appreciate the musicianship and those the guitar players and him that they can they can play and sing and some of the harmonies and the choruses on here are really beautiful. Really pretty I mean, stuff, These guys right? really craft. I mean, those notes I was making constantly going through this. Another example of how well they can craft a hook. You know, yeah. it's just like nonstop, yeah. just real hooky stuff and and very very good and and not always. Um, 
it doesn't always fit with what they're singing about, which sure. is kind of an interesting thing because it, it's it's real just happy, catchy stuff yeah. half the time, and then uh, not so much. The, there are there are dudutin doos in here, and I love dudutin doos so much. Um, the dudutin doos start to dudutin beat me down yeah. after a little bit on <laughs> this. I gotta I, say, I love dudutin doos. I hate Shannon Oz, <laughs> and there are no Shannon Oz in here, but there are some dudutin doos. See, Shannon Oz are just dudutin doos. You, you can't no, 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 you no, can't no. hate one or the other. There's there. a huge difference between a dudutin do and a Shannon. There's not. There's not. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Doo and Doos any day over Sean Uh In 1986. I'm offended that you would say that. <laughs> in 1986, uh, Midnight Oil won a contest to go on to, to be a, a touring band on the Black Fella White Fella tour. Uh, it was two bands, the Warumpi Band and the Gone Wonderland Band, uh, that they were aboriginal bands and they were going to all these little towns uh in these little outposts all throughout the northern and western territory putting on benefit concerts for these people because it's like these people are just out there just like huffing fumes and living in the desert uh so these guys went and they traveled into the northern territory into towns like kentor or Yumindu or alice springs and they went to the western territory like warakarna I mentioned those towns. That's a, that's a song on the album, by the way. Every single one of the... Yeah. Yeah. Warakarna is, yeah. is a song. Um, Kintour, Yumindu, and Alice Springs are all mentioned. Mentioned in yeah. there, yeah. As well as... From Red Kintour F- down to... Kintour East yeah. to Yumindu, yeah. Uh, it, I remember the first time I read the, the lyric sheet for this, when I had, I had the tape and I pulled it out, and I just thought, what the, the fuck, fuck are is they he saying? saying? <laughs> that means I was like, what the fuck? What, what is, what is this? Yumindu? <laughs> Right? Are these weird words from a language I don't understand? <laughs> I have no idea what this guy's talking about. Uh, but how funny is that? Here we are, half a world away. Sure. Uh, and, and I'm listening to it going, beds are burning, beds are burning. Yeah, the, and, the locals probably knew what he was talking about. Just we're on the other side of the sure. world. So, uh, it, hey, and speaking of, real quick, if you don't mind, you're talking about them doing the. Is there anything more 80s? I just thought, is there anything more 80s than the benefit concert? No, no. Live aid. Live aid. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just the movement thing, and like free South Africa and, you know, Aboriginal people and live aid and farm made and like th- there was th- this was part of that as well so yeah. once again they kind of they kind of played into that it, it worked well for them not that they were doing it on purpose but that they were a, a band with the, the social values that did this yeah. kind of stuff and it was happening in the culture at large as a, right then anyway that, that's right um th- there is a love-hate relationship here jim mcginney talks about the fact that uh, as young men as as, as uh, people coming of age in their in their 20s they hated the western imperialist uh, United States and the UK, they hated it. Uh, they talk about in the song Arctic World as it comes up, uh, man, they're taking slams directly at the U.S. But sure, we have sure. to step out of this for a second. We can't look at this as, you don't like the U.S.? Well, fuck you. You know, it, it, can't, sure. be like, it can't be like that because they don't know any different. These are people who live on a different country I have a world away. And right. so, that, well, and, and it's, I think they, uh, I saw an interview with, I think it was the guitar player was talking about, and I think you have it in your song notes here as well, that you know the U.S. is you know their biggest trading partner. Yeah, they were so dependent on the U.S. for you know at the time anyway when he was growing up, and probably still are. I mean, we're a huge security and trading partner for them. There totally. As well. But you know, is there is there anything um, more natural than for young kids who are upset about the, the the situation around them to to find a target to rail at sure. and, and the big imperial power half the way around the world? You know, the basis, you know, blah blah blah. You know, you know, the Britain's coming out of their power at the time. Sure, and, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. That to your point, that we as uh, Americans should probably not judge them for. You y- know, young the, revolutionaries in America 
say things that are against the establishment. Why in the world would we expect uh, sure. Australia to have some sort of feigned fealty? Well, and we usually pick a boogeyman, too. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have to be you know, somebody outside of our country that we don't like. I mean, and everybody does that. Sure. So it's just one of those things. And, and, he, and they, he didn't like the British because they were coming out of British rule. Because that didn't end until 86. Something like that. Australia became their own country while this, you know, around the time this album was being recorded. Yeah. So that's another thing to think about as well. Sure. And th- there's nothing like a young revolutionary uh, who is who is suddenly bent and full of all the answers, right? <laughs> right. Uh, to, to run up against the establishment to tell them. Like, is there anybody smarter than an 18 <laughs> to 24-year-old? I mean, there's let's be not. honest here. Uh, there's not. Uh, but on the other hand... Uh, those same 18 to 24 year olds are the ones that we send to war with a gun. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And have them die for country. And so it's, it's hard for me to tell a young revolutionary. Shut up. Your opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. Your, yeah. your opinion doesn't matter when your classmates are the ones who are dying in foreign lands. Hey, I, I got an 18 year old. You know, I, I, I think about that quite a bit. You know, yeah. their, their opinion has to have some validity to it. If we're going to entrust them with doing complicated things all around the globe or, you know, I mean, it's just, Absolutely. you can't have it both ways. Sure. Sure, you can't true. tell somebody they're old enough to vote, but they're not. Their opinion doesn't count. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just. It's all, as a forty-four-year-old, forty-four-year-old, I'll, I'll rage on all the eighteen to twenty-year-olds writing music about everything as much as I want to. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, there's a reason for it, and, sure. and, it, and it makes sense. It just, I think, it's just probably part of the ebb and flow of things naturally. It, it probably is. I, I, there's the old thing of like, um, like if you're a twenty-year-old and you're I, 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 one of my conservative buddies has said this to me within the last six months oh is this all if you're 20 and you're not liberal you're an idiot yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay well there's some validity to that statement because i've heard that forever too there's some validity to it in the fact that your opinion should probably change in some fashion i mean maybe it should evolve yeah i mean evolve there you go i mean you probably shouldn't think the same way about the world at 40 as you did at 20 maybe i don't know well and the funny thing about that is peter garrett as he became in in the early aughts he was criticized by uh the people who were environmentalists for doing for making concessions, he he had to make right. some decisions. I, I remember reading that. Yeah, yeah it, and it was specifically about strip mining, and so they're like, "You sell out! How dare you? you now know, you're old and rich, and you don't care about the movement anymore." Yeah, how dare you? And then you it know? becomes the listen, child. <laughs> in, right. order, in order to save this over here, I had to make some concessions with this over here. Sure, you know, let the grown ups talk for a second. Yeah. We're trying to work this out for you a little it, bit, which is probably what he was doing. Whereas twenty years before that, he was the guy, you know, raising the fist at this guy, yeah, going, right. why, "Why are you selling us out?" Grabbing yeah. his pitchfork and his torch <laughs> and, running and up the hill. rushing yeah. the stage of moral, <laughs> moral outrage, outrage. Yep. to to tell everyone that by god this is not something that i will ever ever put up with and then once he gets into office he put the reality is this he, is something he, i'm gonna have to put up with yeah, yeah yeah at some point you know in order for all of us to to live this this iphone life then yeah we kind of have to all these things have to happen bit. yeah it's yeah, yeah. So yeah. it um, is what it is uh, to, to wrap up uh, a little bit of the intro here before we get into the album itself, um, th- they were convicted when they came back off of the Blackfella Whitefella tour. They were convicted, and Jim McGinney and Rob Hurst and Peter Garrett sat down and started writing these songs. This album, yeah, and it, this album came together, and the whole thing is a concept album. This is uh, uh, very much a uh, almost like a gospel hymn. There is a it starts off with. A tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. The clock is is counting down. The countdown to the end of existence is happening, and we are running out of time. That's how it starts. Right. And it ends with an altar call to the altar, uh, just like Come just up like and become a, a true believer, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you heed the call. 
And so uh, this whole album, keep in mind, is so cohesive. Did you find that it was so cohesive? I did. When you uh, you had first mentioned it as a concept album, and I, I was like, no, no, I don't think this is a concept album. A concept album is like Queensryche's um, Operation Mindcrime right. with a character and a narrative and a, and, a, and, a, and a literature, if you will, is how I would have thought about that. But the more I listened to this over the last few weeks – and I have listened to it a lot. Um, I, I understand the point you're trying to make. I mean, yeah. this is about this is one storyline or one uh, narrative focus, if you will, and sure. there are multiple stories about that. So, I, yeah, I think it makes the cut as a concept. And, I think you're right. And I give so much credence to uh, this band for taking that zeitgeist because they realize that they have this one moment to speak on the world stage when everyone's paying attention because of Crocodile Dundee. They have this one moment to tell this story of what's going on just so in their backs. Do, do we really have Yahoo Serious to thank for somebody taking their music seriously? Yahoo Sorry Serious for the pun. Came, <laughs> came, came, came afterwards. But, okay, uh, but, but you know you know what I mean. I mean for all this, this pop culture is yeah. what it took for everybody to embrace that. R- real quick, one question for you because okay. you may know this and I don't know the answer. I haven't listened to anything of theirs before this. Okay. We're were they was their music similar to this? It was no, it was aggressive. Uh, okay. it, w- it was fast pub music. Um, I, I read in an interview that um, I can't remember. It may have been. I, I keep going back to Jim Magini because he, he he's he's had so many interviews. Yeah, um, he seems to be a very vocal yeah. member of the band. Uh, he, he talks about the fact that in the pubs and stuff, they were having to play this raucous, fast music to try to keep people engaged because you had 2,000 loud-ass drunk Australians who were fighting. You know? Not a lot of bells and didgeridoos and acoustic guitars in the first yeah. five albums. Yeah, okay, we, okay. I was just I was kind of curious about that. You and I are both Scots-Irish, and so we can say this and kind of make fun. When when our people get drunk and get to party and they start they get loud. and they start yeah, fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if let's say you take them and put them on a prison colony and then they break out. <laughs> That's the people showing up at these shows. This is evolution in action, right? Only the strongest will survive to end evolution. up at the bar. <laughs> Boom. So diesel, diesel and Dust is talking about the fact that so many of these communities are run on diesel. And the diesel is being mined from under the ground. And they're out in the west in the dusty part of in this, the whole thing. Gotcha. The, dust. Okay. The, the, the album cover of this album is absolutely beautiful. It really is. I mean, the, the red sand and then like the graduated the blue, blue going up oh yeah it's, it's that that house that's obviously been there a very long time for a very long time there's a house at the middle of a desert in a cultivated field where they have obviously plowed it but nothing's growing well, there's nothing there. there yeah there's nothing out there and so that you can actually go see that image of that house it doesn't look there. like it's rained there ever right ever yeah that yeah. picture just looks it, it you know the, the equivalent to be if if you're listening here at home and you haven't seen the album and you don't want to google it you know some of the images from like the death valley area like southern california and maybe arizona and places like that that just look except this is even bleaker because there's no mountains in the background there's no hills this is just literally a house it's just dust right and the dust goes to the sky and then the sky goes up to the rest of the sky and that's all you got yeah, man. that's all you it's got quite an image you know that the, the follow up album to this was uh the name of the album was blue sky blue mine. sky mine yeah yeah, yeah. uh and so it, but they, if you, they did they had a hit or two off of that cuz i remember that was on the radio for a yeah. while but if you look at this you realize that house was there someone lived there at one point so there's nothing around it. It's desolate, but someone built a house there, right. and so that was someone's home. That was somebody's piece of property. You know, they, yeah. they, they had some sort of pride in this thing. They were working, yeah, for whatever yeah. reason, so interesting. The, the album title comes from the lyrics of the track Warakurna. We'll cover that when we get to a point down to uh, to this point. The, the, original, the original album had 10 full songs. Uh, there was a bonus song added later on that was not included in the U.S. version, but it was included on the Australian version. So we're going to include it uh, in, in our bunch. Uh, 
But this is a, a concept album that talks about the plight of the first peoples of Australia, how bad they were treated from the establishment. And if except that uh, the track Arctic World that, that warns against drilling in uh, in the Arctic Circle of all places, in Greenland of all places, which is like the exact opposite. Is Once again, is there anything more 80s than writing a song about drilling, too? Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No blood for oil. That I guess <laughs> that's that, that came afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But same, same uh, idea. But other than that, this whole thing is talking about the plight of these people that are that are fighting for an existence uh, that was their land, and then their land got taken away. Uh, and now they are people. These are humans. These are human beings that are in our back porch, literally sitting there that are starving, and we're watching them starve. And their health is not getting any better, and we want them to get better, but we don't give them ed- any education. Uh, and that they would live in the area that we're strip mining, and we just leave space junk. Or old, broken down, right. holding cars. Uh, you know, the fact that, that that they do this was something that really touched the, yeah, this group. It, it created a genuine sense of outrage, and yeah. they came back and wrote an album about it. And that's, I mean, if that's if that's not rock and roll, I don't know what is. That that is rock and roll. This is social protest. Yeah, if that's not, and just 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 doing something that is rebellious in general is rock and roll, right? And is there anything more rebellious than writing a this album at the time, with considering the political climate in Australia and whatnot yeah. you know i mean that's that's rock and roll i don't care if it's got, whether it doesn't matter how much you like this album or not but whether it's got didgeridoos and acoustic guitar or not it's a rock and roll. i mean it's rock and roll it's process, process it sure rock, is. It, it's a little bit of introduction to this is this is australia this is our culture this is some of the kitschy things that make us australia like the didgeridoo or the bull roar right. um but also here's all the stuff that i hate about me you know i i hate me because my people did this. These guys said white guilt before that phrase was called. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Yeah. Today we are taking uh, a, a deep, deep tour through the 1987 album Diesel and Dust by Midnight Oil. Coming up, we are going to go through, we're going to listen to these songs, uh, and we're going to get a, a bleak, bleak introduction to the Australian Outback. This is our favorite album. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hi everybody, this is Dan Jablons from Retail Smart Guys. If you're listening to this Our Favorite Album podcast and you know Jason and Michael, then maybe you're in retail. And if you are, then you should know that my company, Retail Smart Guys, could help your company achieve better sales, greater profits, greater cash flow, and a whole lot more fun. So visit www.retailsmartguys.com or call my personal cell at 818-720-2585 and I'll tell you more about it. Attention retail store owners. Imagine this. Your customer walks in and is greeted by an associate with a tablet in hand. As they browse the store, your rep makes recommendations based on their current selections, all the while building an accurate customer profile that you can use to improve business. On the back end, this powerful retail management software ensures you have the correct inventory on hand, follows up with customers to bring them back to the store, and provide the best possible service. Turn each and every one of your employees into a superstar at RetailProDemo.com. That's Retail ProDemo.com. For comments, suggestions, for anything you have to say to us, if we got something wrong, if uh, we said something you didn't like, send us an email at info at ourfavoritealbums.com. Follow us on Facebook at Our Favorite Albums. 
and on Twitter at Our Fave Albums. Rate us on Apple. It makes a huge difference if you rate us on Apple. Uh, and a little housekeeping here. A couple weeks ago, Abby at McNuggetB69 on Twitter was our dudette of the week. Congratulations. Congratulations, Abby, McNuggetB69. I don't know. That's a mouthful there. She, she, you know, she said she was looking for a podcast suggestion. Gave her a podcast suggestion. She said she didn't want to listen to music, but I said I'll name you our dudette of the week. So, so Abby, there you go. Abby, I hope you enjoyed it. Huh? Hey, and by the way, it's uh, only half of the podcast is music. The other half is us looking at each other and talking. So. <laughs> yeah. What are we drinking today? I'm, I'm drinking, uh, I think I was drinking Buffalo Trace. What are you having? Uh, I've got some Casamigos, uh, a little Reposado tequila. Hot damn. Because it's Monday. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So why the hell not? I'm uh, giving a, uh, a quick look through my notes here real quick before we get started. Sure. Um, want to make sure I get everything covered. Uh, because, uh, again, th- this is one of my favorite albums to the point where, uh, yeah, our, our, the name of our, our show is Our Favorite Albums. But this really is an album that I love so much and I've listened to it so many times. Um, but I mentioned before that every single time we go through this, I'm going to find something new. You know, there's something here I'm just going to... Oh, yeah, sure. Fine. It's just different, right? Uh, what was interesting, though, is that I started doing our deep dive. The way our um, our preparation goes for this is either you or me, one of us is going to choose the album. This time it was mine. Next time will be your turn to pick. Uh, and then we both kind of go off on our own and we start researching. I found that for an album that was rated so high, there was an odd lack of information about this album. Yeah, we were kind of talking about that uh, in the break a little bit. Um, one of my like nerdy things I like to do is figure out what all the guitar guys play. You know, I, was, I just enjoy that sort of thing. And it was hard to find. I mean, you had to go look at some YouTube videos from the time period to figure out what they were playing yeah. because there's you know, for an album that scored so high and had so many uh, singles, and uh, especially in the MTV to the MTV generation was such a huge album. Huge. Um, it really surprised me that there wasn't more online. I mean, the Wikipedia entry for this band is... It's it's, it's small, right? Uh, yeah, very very small, uh, yeah. which really surprised me a lot. I was expecting a lot more. And and also along the lines of our conversation, I mean, a lot of it had to do with Garrett. You know, I mean, a lot of it was about his poli- the politics yeah. and everything else. Yeah. So uh, n- not a whole lot about the album just in general. Can you think of any other popular band... Uh, in our lifetimes, but especially in this generation, that had uh, the success to propel one of the members into political aspirations. Public to, office. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not like he was just like named some like you know like Elvis. You know, Nixon gave Elvis right. a badge or whatever. Right. <laughs> whatever that goofy shit was. You're the official ambassador to the Western Territories. You yeah. Know, you know, he was actually he was a minister. The real deal. Yeah. In, in, in three different um, three different. Uh, Administrations. I mean, this is someone who is a serious, serious. No, I don't maker, think right? so. Uh, I don't. I don't think Nikki Six won his uh, congressman bid. Did he? I, <laughs> did he really run? No, I'm just fucking with you. I know. Can you died. imagine that? I know he died of a heroin overdose and had to be brought back to life. Can you imagine that? Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> was a governor. Uh, that's true, and he also had a funny accident. So, accident. So there is kind of a. Yeah. I mean, that's the only. But person. no, but his superstardom did, to your point, propel him into sure. politics. Sure, and it, it, it's funny that's both from that same generation. But that's just not something that happens very, very no, often. No, it really know? isn't. It really yeah. isn't. Uh, we're gonna cool. get we're gonna get into Let's do it. into the songs here as we go. I mentioned ten songs plus a bonus track. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to point out that this album plays and listens and reads just like it would uh, if, if it were a very cohesively put together album. It's, it, every song kind of leads into the next one. Uh, the very first one is the one that everyone knows, and it's Beds Are Burning. This is, without question, the most recognizable song on the album. Um, it still gets minor amounts of radio play today. Um, and at the time, as we mentioned to, alluded to earlier, you know, for our generation growing up on MTV, this thing was on constantly. Constantly, right? I mean, for a year, this was in heavy, heavy, heavy rotation. Yeah, yeah. And, and how many, it's so funny that this song has like such a, um, so many meanings to it. Uh, you know, there's just a, in addition to being an introduction to the Australian culture and the Aboriginal plight, um, yeah, how many times have, have you ever been somewhere at a bar or someplace and this song will kick on and everybody goes, oh, fuck, yeah, kick All right, man, yeah. I don't even remember the words, you know, but, uh, well, in all fairness, it's impossible to remember I mean, the, the Bloodwood and the Desert Oak. I mean, what, who the hell puts that? I mean, this is very culturally different from anything you'd be singing at a bar, <laughs> it is. but it is such a catchy tune. You can't help but do it, right? Yeah. yeah. And so the, the song starts off with the TikTok of a countdown clock. Right. Boom, boom, boom. This thing's about to right. blow right up, right? But there's that TikTok, 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 TikTok going on where something is is happening. Either something is about to happen, like a time bomb, or we're counting down to the end of civilization. The Arctic Julian's about to get us all. The drum beat doom, doom, boom, doom, 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 boom, doom, 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 is like a chugging train across this rough, dusty desert. Uh, and that bass that I just kind of sang along there is so steady Let's throughout this entire song. It holds the song together. It it does. Uh, it, 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 it's almost like a train. Doom, 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 well, it, I would say it's galloping. Yeah, like, like a gallop. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to read the the first uh, first verse and the th- the third verse just so we can talk about this first because you sure. probably don't know what these words are. Uh, I'm going to link all of the lyrics on uh, on the site. Uh, so that you can read along with us. I would, if you're listening along, uh, you know, with us, then, you know, listen to us while we're talking. But if you want to go back and listen to this album, read Gra- the lyrics. Hey, grab the lyrics. It's amazing sometimes how much of a difference that makes when you got them sitting in front of you because we all do that thing where we think we know what the lyrics were until you actually read them. And then yeah, it's yeah. one of the ballgame. Uh, in, in Peter Garrett's beautiful Once Upon a Time style, he goes, Out where the river broke, the bloodwood and the desert oak, holding wrecks and boiling diesels steam in 45 degrees. Do you know what for he's thir- talking about? For, no, but for 30 years, I tried to figure out how something would be like steaming in like this imagery in 45, yeah, 45 degrees Celsius, you dumbass. It's Celsius. You know how much that is in Fahrenheit? It's 90-something. 112. 112, okay. That's that's a hot, hot place. Oh, that's a very right. hot place. Uh, he, he says Holden Rex. You know what Holden Rex are? Holden is an auto manufacturer in in Australia. No and kidding. So, so these are all the cars that you were talking about earlier, just like scattered just out there. cars, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and when, when... Like junkyard they just take them out yeah. there and leave them. Okay. And when the people with money don't want them anymore, they just take them just out. Just take them out of the desert. Just take them out of the desert. Yeah. E- even though people live out there, you know, they just dump them out there. Holding wrecks and boiling diesels, steam in forty-five degrees. Gotcha. Gotcha. So th- there's no water anywhere, but somehow we have steam. Uh, jump to the second verse. It goes four wheels scare the cockatoos, and so when the cars come out, it scares the native birds from Kintor, which is one of those towns, east to Yumindu which is another town. The Western desert lives and breathes in 45 degrees. I, 
that's so simple but beautiful. Well, it's right? probably the only, I think I alluded, I may have said this earlier already, but uh, probably the only song on MTV ever that had the word cockatoo in it. Cockatoo, yeah. But did you know that he was saying that until you read the lyrics? Cockatoo is actually one of the few things I can remember understanding in that entire really? paragraph because the, the the names would have meant nothing yeah, to from me, Kim obviously. Tour, East yeah. of Human Do, you never would have known that, right? I assumed it was... Something geographical, obviously, but yeah. I had no idea where these places were. I always thought that the forty-five degrees that they were talking about, like a like a latitude, you know, like the, the oh, thirtieth okay, parallel, okay. parallel, it was like the, yeah, the that would make degrees. sense. Sure. I always thought that it was, and then I was like, oh, stupid shit! No, they're talking about temperature, but it's in Celsius. <laughs> <laughs> All right, crank this thing up. Let's get into this. This is Midnight Oil's Diesel and Dust. So that groove is awesome that's really good and it sets, starts off the album nicely and I think this song stands the test of time best of anything else on the album so I would say this is my number one song on the album which is interesting because it was the one I knew best sure. but I think it holds up well hear that plates paint splatter yeah. voice cowbell I love that man that's cool Rob Hirsch is laying down such a simple, yeah, honest beat there. You he know? really is, yeah. yeah. Listen to all the effects. Like they're taking you out on a tour. They put you onto the Land Rover, and they're taking you into the Western Desert. The, the the baseline is definitely evocative of that. The way it's like driving and pushing you through it. Yeah. And then now we have one of their kind of patented big hooks. These guys. That was the drum thing I was talking about, which is so eighties. Yeah. yeah. But this is a great hook, really yeah. is. And pretty, uh, pretty guitar effects there. Yeah, a little bit of that acoustic guitar. Really simplistic. Yeah. And then we have some of those background instruments, but really nice singing. These guys sing well together. They do. Yeah, they really they, do. They really do blend well. And and again, when you first hear, and, and once again, I would say you have to if you go listen to them live, then you can hear. You know, I had to go download some videos. Download that was a very old fashioned thing to say. Yeah. I YouTubed it. Add um, a little lime wire. That's right. right. <laughs> um, if you catch them doing it live, you can really hear the three voices a little more yeah. distinctly, like you can live. And they're, man, they sound good together. Yeah, they do. A little horn solo, which kind of sounds like a semi going by, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, like a Doppler effect. Once again, evocative of the that cruising kind of road trip thing we're going on here. Yeah. And this is kind of a road trip song. I mean, he's guiding us through the geography of wherever he is. Yeah, yeah. He's he's come right out with it. It's time for us to we give have to them, pay the rent. It's time for us to give them what they're due. I like that the pay the rent line. Yeah. Okay. So it's time for us to pay our share. We've been going out there and just taking this away and selling it. What about the people that you've left? Yeah, they out live here? on top of the property. Maybe we should give them. Something. Yeah, maybe we yeah, ought sure. to ask them what they think, right? Okay, that little growl in the background there, that's, that was... That was wow! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's give it back. Give it back. <laughs> that's a little overdone. Oh, my God. That's the 80s drum thing again. Right. Milly Vanilli bullshit. Uh, yeah, somebody had a... Some producer had a button with that on it. <laughs> well, and it's... I mean, it's... This kind of it's, it's atonal. It's kind of out of beat. And, yeah, you know, it's just really... something fun, I guess. It's in fact this is a great chorus. I mean, yeah. like, they're really great. Yeah. Like we sit around and dance, the earth is burning. We sit around and sleep, their beds are burning. Yeah, you know, we, we live this somewhat 
like nice life while these people are out at 112 degrees is how much this is burning. And right. we don't give them food. And we're we not don't thinking give about them medicine. Yeah. yeah. And we just leave them out there until we have to go out there and dump our cars. I mean, he, he definitely starts off the album with his uh, political statement right off the bat, right? I mean, he's there's no doubt he didn't open up with anything that was a little bit ambiguous. You're not sure. Maybe it's a sweet song. He's letting you know right up front where he stands on yeah. things. And when he gets to this high register. Where the band stands, I guess, you know. When he gets to this high register, his voice is really pretty. It is. I like it better than when he's doing the growl. Yeah. I mean, they still have the Euro, you know, little French horn there. It's a cool song. It is. It's yeah. still the best one on the album. Yeah. This is "Put Down That Weapon," uh, written by Rob Hurst, Jim McGinney, and Peter Garrett. Not hard to figure this one out, right? Right, right, right. And this is obviously the this is uh, anti-war. This is anti-war, anti-nuclear uh, proliferation. You know, a lot of the a lot of the things that were uh, very popular and. The music of the time, yeah. the arts of the time. You know, everybody was everybody's really concerned about the Cold War in the '80s, and uh, it was a very. It, there's a lot of music written about it, and they, sure. this is his take on it too, which obviously would have impacted everybody in Australia pretty significantly. Sure, so. yeah. And you know, from the sidelines, if they sit back and see the the U.S. and the and the USSR kind of go at each other like this, um, gosh, at some point they're like, "Man, guys, you're about to ruin the planet for the rest of us." Sure. Now, please somebody, put down your weapons. You yeah. Know? No, this, right. is, this is definitely an anti-war. Now, I have to say, um, this song I find to be an absolute beating. Do you? And it's... The music's, the music's okay. He, he does this thing where he's just, like, overwhelmingly preachy. He's real breathy. And it's just... <laughs> and it's, like, preachy and breathy and, like... And it's just, like... I respect the song, respect the craft. Just I, th- This is not one that I enjoy listening to. It, this is a song I sing along to. I love that right there, that tone. That, that's, uh, they're both playing through AC30s, the Vox, which is the British amp, which makes sense, I guess. Yeah. That sounds like a Vox right there. And we got a Strat and a Gibson. So that's, you kind of get the nice, like, little balance. Sure. Uh, tone aside and cool effects aside, this is probably my least favorite song on the album. Gotcha. Okay. Because, because it is preachy. Put down that weapon. Okay, we got it. Well, and if he. You did a great impersonation of the way I imagined his face looked when you sang the put down the weapon part. <laughs> you guys don't, we don't have video, so you can't see that. But uh, <laughs> if he sang it any differently, maybe, if it wasn't for that, maybe it would be different, but it's just the, the combination of the preachy with the... But again, he's down in that paint splatter range. Right, he's right. not up in his like melodic... Where he sounds really, register. really good. Yeah. But he's down there in this like splatter against the wall thing, you know? <laughs> and there's a little, little how mal going on too. Because uh, yeah, there's quite a bit of that. But I mean, I'm sure he's trying to get into the uh, whatever he feels like the most important mood is artistically sure. or whatever. It just doesn't do anything for me. He feels it, you know. Now, as far as like the lyrical content goes, I mean, I think they do a good job of getting their point across, and that's a cool guitar riff. Yeah. You're right. It sounds like an excess, right? Very much so. Yeah. Love this drum. Kind of that march to war. Yeah, that's. I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're right. That's exactly what it is. 
the, over the whole day keep talking about it they keep talking they keep talking so what was going on in 87 i mean we were having all sorts of uh, treaty talks berlin yeah. wall was still up um that's right yeah i mean that's in we lived through that coming down i mean obviously so did everybody older than us but uh we're not special but we were the first i mean we were in school when that sure. came down i mean i can remember being in school when that came and then like coming in and going the, the, the wall came down do you remember thing, being you know? afraid of russia like like Oh sure, it, absolutely. It was, it was our enemy. Like we had to be afraid of. My, gra- my grandparents had a bomb shelter, really, <laughs> in their basement. Yeah, wow. Which was great because by the time I was in high school, they had converted it into storing nothing but like my grandmother's canned goods, <laughs> jellies and shit. Yeah, they were like they were pretty convinced they weren't going to need the bomb shelter anymore after glassnest and all that. But I'll let it play out because it's the song. Well, no, we need but, to. Um, we need to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, to, I mean, to your point, though, yeah, I mean, this was at a time when everybody was really concerned about global warfare. It was a big deal. Hey, I actually, I'd be careful how I say this. I don't want to end up on like a watch list. I miss the Cold War literature and movies. Do you? Like Tom, Cla- Tom Clancy's early yeah. shit, you know? I mean, I love that stuff. It's yeah. like, I kind of wish, it's like, can we get them back just so I get a couple more books, you know? <laughs> yeah. You watch The Americans, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Of course, it's nostalgia because we grew up with it. Yeah. I mean, that's a weird thing to say nostalgia about, but that's what the movies were. I mean, James Bond, all that stuff when we were growing up was about this. So if I'd been however old he was when he wrote this song, I might have a different opinion about it. It's not a filler song, but it's definitely one that once it's over with, I'm like, okay, now we're into this. I totally get it. You guys hear this with the big Dream World is the next song. This is a very good song. I love this, this song. Is a very good Do you song. Not? This is a very, very good yeah. song. The notes I have is the song is lamenting the loss of much of the Queensland built heritage. Right. It's very. It's kind of nostalgic about the way things used to yeah. be. He says straight up, the Breakfast Creek Hotel is up for sale. Uh, th- that was a. Um, uh, that was oh, a hotel wow. in Brisbane that is actually protected, uh, like a historical marker. Ah, uh, okay. So this is, uh, I think this is one of the better songs in the album, and this really showcases their ability to write a hook. Listen to the voice here. And that, that That's acoustic guitar back there? Yeah. There's an electric in the background doing a little simple yeah, riff, Kind of riffy, right? Yeah. Kind of Elvis Costello sounding. <laughs> there you go, yeah. That's a good way to put it. But that th- listen, to that. there's that thick, rich sound. I mean, listen to how thick that is, man. Oh, it's really good. There's it's so very melodic, there. very full. When he sings in this register, he sounds great. He does. Like right? I really like this stuff. Yeah, it, it's still evocative. It's still uh, very uh, somewhat acerbic. You know, that's like reaching sure, out and sure, grabbing sure. you and pulling you in. Uh, but it still kind of has that, <laughs> like literally, like throwing paint against the wall, just <laughs> splat, 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 splatting his words right out at you. Yeah. Love this. Your dream world is about to end. You guys have fucked around with this for so long. <laughs> and now it's over with. Everything's about to end. Yeah. You're going to have Wuhan virus come up in 30 years. <laughs> this is your fault, Australian Parliament. Mm-hmm. Dream World, by the way, was a um, uh, amusement park. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I didn't know that. Yeah. He says, Cloudland into Dreamland Turns. He's referring to the Cloudland Dance Hall. 
that again was on the historical register that was torn down. Okay. Was this, this, was this a place they used to play or anything like that? Bunch, yeah. So they tore that down and put up an amusement park. They put up, um, no, they didn't put up an amusement park. They put up like a hotel. Or they oh, put up, gotcha. Um, okay. No, it wasn't a hotel. It was like a business park. I mean, it was just gotcha. like, like something very, very, I don't know, you know very clinical. Just like gotcha. knock down this piece of history and just put up something that nobody really gives a shit about, you know? So in the narrative, in their narrative on this album, that kind of fits into the whole, like, not giving a shit about what came before you. This yeah. is just like progress, progress, progress at any cost kind of thing. Gotcha. Even the stuff that's 100 years old, you don't give a shit about, you know? You guys give a shit about nothing. You don't care about the rock. You don't care about the no, Nothing, nothing. You don't right even there. care about the historical register. You don't even care about your stuff that you built, your ancestors built here. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't care about the, the British stuff that's here. Oh, I love the way he gets up there, man. Whoa! Very bouncy, lots of like lively. Oh yeah, I imagine this one would have been a lot of fun live. Yeah, and you can almost like if you've ever seen him sing, you know, with his like his weird like keeping the beat with his hand and like really yeah, stiff, like his you know? elbow doesn't move a lot, like his hand kind of flaps around. I mean, he does it long and lanky. That's limbs. a really bad way to describe it, but there's like it's a weird move, almost like got. an alien. I mean, yeah, no, oh, definitely, he looks like an yeah. alien without question. I, I don't know that aliens exist, but we have this like mind of alien. Like, Maybe he landed in. They, they sent him down to Australia to see if there's any intelligent life here. Yeah, it's like smoke rising up over the over the dawn. Yeah, this is almost like. Uh, soundtracky at first and then it jumps into this yeah but this is arctic world uh there is an anti-american bend here sure uh, the second verse he says i don't want to breathe that smithsonian air i don't want to listen when they toll the bell Re- uh he's referring back to for whom the bell tolls which was uh the spanish civil war oh yeah, yeah okay by, by Hemingway. Hemingway. Yeah, Hemingway wrote the book on it yeah. yeah and so he, he's going back to i don't want to be part of this big group of people, because the, the Spanish Civil War is what led into World War Two, right? It was kind of the precursor to that, and so he, he's saying, "I don't want to be part of. We're in Australia. I don't want to be part of your group of people that are fighting this world war. Your your global, yeah. Interesting. My uh, my notes on this song are, and I quote: "If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all." <laughs> But he says, "I don't want. Any, I don't want to. I don't want anything to do with you." The, the lyrics go, "I don't want to grow anything in my heart. I don't want to write all these things in the sand. I don't want to listen and not understand. I don't want to tramp on the footpath of stars. I don't want to be an advocate. I don't want to be a monument. There's nothing that grows in your Arctic world. So leave it alone." Well, do you think that's what he's getting at with that completely is the, is the drilling thing, or do yeah. you think there's any other subterfuge in there as well? No, I, he, he's saying that it, like. He's talking about Greenland, which is nothing but block of ice, right? Right. Which is the exact opposite of Australia. So he's seeing it very yin-yang, right? This is cold. Nothing grows here. This is hot. Nothing grows here. This is this is the opposite. You don't you can't know the white without the black, right? And that's what he's saying is, I'm the exact opposite. You guys leave this alone. Also leave us alone. Gotcha, gotcha. We don't want any part of your your big master plans. Yeah. Just stay away. Just, just stay out of it. Stay out of here. That's interesting. Yeah. So this is missing musically all the things I like about Midnight Oil, which is the electric guitars and the driving beat and the, the, big, the big hooks, the pulse, yeah. the big singing chorus that's just like you know, really well-crafted and yeah. everything. And I think that's why I don't really care for it because sure. it's you know, good on them for doing whatever they want to do, obviously. I mean, 
who am I to judge? I didn't have a platinum album that won Grammys in the '80s, you know, <laughs> or ever. <laughs> but but it just it's missing all the things that I really like about the band. Sure, sure. Um, this is kind of the love song, you know. Uh, this was their token ballad, if you will. Yeah, kind of. Okay, I'll buy that. There's nothing that grows in your Arctic world. There's nothing that grows out in the middle of the desert. There's nothing that grows in any of these places. So why in the world would you be out here stripping them? Why are you here? Get out. You know. Gotcha. Um, it's it's ironic for them, you know, because they happen to be of this homogenous group that is part of the the people who are going through and strip mining. Um, and so it's he's really preaching against himself. But maybe that's the thing that is just so. Um, I don't know, so startling is Peter Garrett and uh, Jim Maginney are the ones who wrote this. Is well, you know, I mean, it, it, historically, and we've had a very political podcast today. We have. Um, historically, people who... We can say it because we're from the sidelines. There you go. We're on the sidelines yeah. and we have nothing I, to I'm do I'm not with talking it. about anybody else. I'm, but yeah. Just in general, though, uh, those that... I think history will back me up on this. Those that are the ones that really speak to any kind of societal change usually are the ones that benefited enough from it that had the ability to come out and speak against it. Does sure. that make sense? Sure. You know, the, the, the people in, that are stuck out in the village just doing subsistence living, you know, and just trying to keep their family alive don't really have a lot of time to write flyers and yeah. do interviews and, do you know. Go on black fella, white fella tours. tours. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, or, or learn how to play the guitar. Learn how to play or be able to afford a guitar. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, so that he would have, it would have had to have been somebody from inside the system who would have been able to speak against the system because nobody else would have had the the wealth and the time, yeah. quite frankly, to do it. Well, and again, the young revolutionary at college uh, is the one who, by the way, this goes right into War of Kerna. War, yeah, this is a, this is a um, great song. I oh, love this song so much. You just mentioned young revolutionary at college. The at college is a big piece of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> because only, only certain people can be at college. So, I mean, this is typically why it works that way, sure. which is not a bad thing. I'm... I think that's the natural order, actually. Yeah. But, but those people out there, they never have a chance to go to college. Cause exactly. Because they don't get to So they're not going to have the time to go read history and protest and do all that kind of stuff. So that's just kind of the that's just the way the circle runs, man. Yeah. They're repeating over and over, there is enough for everyone. So once again, as much as I like this song, I have we're not quite halfway through the album yet, and I am overwhelmed with the incessant preachiness. It's a preachy album. It's a preachy album, yeah. though, right? I mean, you know me. I'm not much of a protest rock kind sure. of guy. That's not really my thing. But aside from that, this is a great, like, really well-crafted song. And once again, great chorus. I mean, it, man, they wrote a hook on this that yeah. you just want to sing along with. They really did. And maybe that's the genius here is they have this politically charged music that you still kind of want to sing along with in the bar. It's 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 catchy, friendly rock sure. for the most part. Like, this was a single. They had, what, six singles off of this album? They had, Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, it was probably all the good ones. Yeah. That, that kind of that lonesome guitar hook there. A little arpeggio is nice. And again, um, Rotsy is, uh, Martin Rotsy is just kind of layering in that, that right. guitar back there. Just throwing some paint yeah. over the top. So pretty. Look, coloring, if you will. Yeah. There we go. White law could be wrong. Black law must be strong, yeah. yeah. Here's Warakurna. So the water hole, don't drink by the water hole because even the water is poison. This is a very uh, 
word I'm looking for, but it's a, I mean, that's a statement line yeah. right there. That's, some people laugh, some never learn. The land, the land must, must change, change or it'll burn. Or this land's going to burn. I mean, that, yeah. that's a slogan they probably should have put on a t-shirt. They probably did. They probably did. So here's the it's title a good, It's a good album. line. title of the album is Diesel and Dust. He goes, Diesel and Dust is what we breathe. This land don't change, and we won't leave. Some people live, some never die. This land don't change. This land must lie. So leave this land alone. You've got to leave one area just completely untouched. So now after so after this, they did give that rock back, they did, right? Yeah. They stopped mining on it. They stopped doing tourism stuff yeah. on it and like gave it back, okay? Because that's really a lot of what he's singing about is that like religious, historical, tribal land, right? Yeah. Uh, Uluru? I forget, U- yeah. Uluru, something like that? It's, it's a very picturesque... We've all seen it. I mean, it's this big, huge... Like a flat-top rock. Right? Yeah, this big, massive red rock coming out of the desert. So he's still kind of in his lower register. When he gets into this last verse and chorus, he gets into his high register, and this it's startling to me. Like, you know, Every time I hear it, I throw my hands up, just like, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. But I love when it hits me like that, you know, because it really... It, sure. It... it, it, it it elicits this like feeling of like, there's a, energy. There's a reaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's what he wants, right? He's gonna get into it here. He's building, right? Yeah. And he talks he says not since Lassiter was here, black man's got a lot to fear. Lassiter he was, was the a, explorer. He was a right? gold explorer, right? Okay. Who died looking for gold. Okay. Once again, that's kind of a put your fist in the sky kind of moment in the song, right? Yeah. And he's not being threatening. He's not saying, I'm going to burn your land. He's like, this land is going to burn if you guys don't take care of it. Yeah, I took that as more of a, uh, just a statement, a fact, right? Not like... Yeah, that's good. It was a statement. It wasn't like he was threatening, like, we're, we're going to throw Molotov cocktails and stuff. It's like, no, this is, if we can't all figure out how to get together... And live together, then there's going to be problems. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, and, and that's what's so. It, it was a statement of fact. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a. Uh, this wasn't a terrorist. Yeah. Threat. This was just like, hey, look, we're either going to figure this out or things are going to get really and what, bad. What are you going to burn? You know, I mean, there's, <laughs> right. there's nothing out here, right? It was, it was obviously uh, metaphorical. Yeah, but but the whole the, the preachy side of this is you guys are looking at this as uh, this land out here is desolate and there's nothing growing out of here. If you don't take care of this then this is going to look like that desolate land that you guys are strip mining. And so unless you take the time to take care of the oceans, and now what are we seeing on the Great Barrier Reef? We're seeing it being completely bleached out, right? right? Uh, at some point, the um, uh, the cycle of the Atlantic and Pacific uh, that goes through, if you have the, the, the globe warming to the point where that cycle stops, then you're going to have more of that. You know, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have your Arctic world is going to start it, it's it's going to start uh, melting into into the ocean, and you have ocean rise, and so th- there's there's a lot of preachiness that goes on here. Oh but sure, how much well, of the said, last thirty uh, years has come true? Well, a lot of this, once again, we talked about this before, is a product of the times. I mean, if there's there's never been a probably has not been a decade that had more preachiness in popular culture than the eighties. I mean, it, yeah. that's just what it was. So yeah. uh, we, we've gotten halfway through through the album. Uh, we're at track six, The Dead Heart. This is my favorite song on the album. Uh, this, this was also a massive MTV hit. Huge. This was the song that won them the that right to them. go on, right. on the Black Fella, White Fella tour. Um, I, I'm going to read a little bit. 
about this. Uh, I think this came from I think this came from uh, Genius Lyrics. It says the black fellow white full tour ignited Midnight Oil's passion for Aborigine rights and influenced the entire dust dust. Let me put dust in diesel, but diesel diesel and dust album. Jim Magini, the band's guitarist and keyboardist and lead songwriter, explained. We observed as young white Australians the conditions out there, the poverty, the petrol sniffing, the health problems, the art, the deep culture, the dispossession, the respect of the concept of family has in the great sense of humor and the strength of the people, the natural beauty, all mixed into a radicalized experience. 20-year-old kids that are put onto a bus and traveling around and seeing this. We wrote about our impressions on the Diesel record, which came out the next year, and there was definitely a snowball effect. The the feeling he has here when they wrote this uh, is keep in mind that this song was written before they ever went. Right, right, right. And so the, they were they were already bent to try to do these things, and they're talking about some things that maybe they just didn't quite understand. Whereas all these other songs, Warakurna, was after they'd experienced it. Gotcha. And he actually, uh, in that same interview, uh, goes on to talk about how much that tour changed their sound. Hmm. Because before that, to your point earlier, when you talked about the fact that they were a bar band and they were loud and fast, and it was like playing for all these smaller little intimate groups yeah. as they were on that tour kind of forced them to come back and rethink about and how I, the songs were kind of a perfect storm you know to, to it, it the tour inf- influenced everything sure. obviously sure and, and how would they connect as as this you know the white skin it looks it looks strange to them just like what are you gonna go in and do bar rock sure <laughs> you know, the, the stuff that I mean, you, you cut your teeth on but it's something that the people you're playing for now have never heard before no and probably idea. aren't even interested yeah. in. So, and so they, they see these Euros up there that look very strange. Um, we, you know, we, we talked about just how different the Aboriginal people looked, you know, with very dark skin, but it's different than dark skin. Than what you and, and by the way, I mean, come on, you got 6'4", baldy in front. And this is a... Uh, it's got to be scary, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, and this is, uh, as, as, a, as an entire people, they tend to be quite a bit shorter than Europeans yeah. in the first place, yeah. right? So now we got a guy that's... Astronomically taller yeah. than the area, and you know, real lanky and, and, and real bald head in the whole nine yards. That had to look a little scary, I'm sure. It had to be. Um, so maybe now you got to tone down your voice a little bit, just so you don't. Yeah, maybe run and, everybody you know, out of the club. Well, and, and if, if they were to get out there and like, we know your plight, mate, you know, and just like tell them like, we know what you're going through, and we're going to carry your torch for you. And they get up there and they start singing about you know all the fosters that they're, you know, and banging those beer cans against their heads. Like, we don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Like, we don't have any water, much less beer. Y'all want to put some shrimp on the body? Yes, like this. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, Jesus, man, get out of here. You don't know what we're talking about. My favorite song on this album, this is Dead Heart. This is a great one. Okay, so this this is the da-da-da is my sha na na do 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 yeah. Give me all your do 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 He says, we don't serve your country. We don't serve your king. We don't know your custom. We don't speak your tongue. The white man came and took everyone. We don't serve your king. We don't serve your country. Listen to the songs that we're singing. You guys took and came and took everything from us. Right. This is, uh, as far as protest songs go, this is remarkably melodic and well-crafted. Like I said, without the do-do-do-do-do-do, I would be really way more into the song. I, I wish they put more do-do-do's in. I want to make you a t-shirt that says more do-do-do-do-do-do. Once again, bass players... We're galloping again, right? He's driving this whole thing along. Yeah, listen to Rob Hurst, though, on, that, on those drums. 
You know, for such an odd voice, he has very true pitch. He does. That's a, that's a really good point. Wow. Once again, this is a very well-crafted yes. chorus. This, this guy's had an ear for this sort of thing. And it's a good thing they did, because like the honest truth of the situation is nobody would have given a shit about their protest music if it wasn't fun to listen to. Yeah. They sounded like Ramstein, this would have disappeared. <laughs> yeah, probably. So one of us will listen. We'll listen to what you're saying. You know. Yeah, I mean, basically at that point, they're just the idea is like just let's just have a conversation like adults here, and we'll, it'll be fun. There's some bells for you. Bells, shit. <laughs> I hate the bells. But you know what they say? They sound pretty good here. I mean, it works, right? I love the... Uh, the way they were strumming the, like, the rhythm on the acoustics. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me some doo-doo-doo. Like, his whole, like, like off-in-the-distance singing thing there is not my favorite. Mining companies, but what he's saying companies. is, yeah, yeah, uranium companies, collected companies, they got more right than people. The companies have more say than the people who own this land. You guys are coming out here taking all the uranium, and you're not leaving anything for the people who live here. Well, yeah, this kind of own in quotation marks, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, forty thousand years can make a difference to the state of things. And he says, this is the dead heart, like you've killed the heart of the people. So the, the that's the name of. So I looked this up and I, I don't remember, but that's the name of the monument, right? The heart, the the, the something heart. Okay, it's. Uh... Am I getting that wrong? Oh, you got it. Okay. The song was written from the perspective of the original Aborigine inhabitants of the Australian continent. It was penned by the band in response to the Australian government's return to the sacred mon- mon- monolith, Uluru. That's the rock we were Ayers talking rock. about. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. So this song is about getting the rock back. Basically, yeah. is what it boils. This is their sacred land, and they agreements have been made. Agreements hadn't been honored. Just stick with what we got. Yeah. Stick with what you said you'd do. Give us the rock back. There's so much sound happening here. So we get multiple guitars. We get the multiple background vocals. We've got the bells. There's a horn going on. Yeah, I think we're gonna get a French horn here in a second. There it is. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a didgeridoo in the like deep in the mix in the background, very well doing this like very rhythmic kind of thing that just kind of it's very ethereal though you don't really hear it. And then you have Peter Garrett kind of playing in his space, like, ah, just, yeah, just doing along. his little like happy grunting stuff. Love the guitar in here. Let's just listen to it. Hear the guitars. That's a string. That's a violin. Did they call everybody in the studio that they was did. a session musician yeah. that day? It's like it. 
What do you play? If it has a string, play it. Sorry, we just want you on here. Okay, so this song is... Whoa. Okay, this... And I, I've really tried to figure this out. This reminds me of something. Something else. It's a and, hymn. And I could not place it, but like a specific piece of... Like, it reminds me of another song, and it, it, it bothered me because I can't figure it out. And it's it's the melody, and it's the chords, and it's the way that... The drums in the background almost have like kind of a jazzy, kind of off-center kind of thing. There's a feel of the Cure here, kind of that Robert Smith, a lot of a lot of minor stuff. Um, yeah, no, you're not wrong about that, but that's that's not who I'm looking like, for. Like bleeding emotion, which I, I think is probably like what he's trying to elicit. He's trying sure, to sure. bleed some sort of bleeding emotion. Hear that didgeroo? Didgeridoo? That's so deep. Man, Rob Hurst is killing me with that ride cymbal back there, though. <laughs> just kind of sizzling it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I like the guitar on that. He says, uh, the man with the landslide, he's talking about Reagan. Reagan won in 1984 in the landslide. Right. He's got his head in the ground. Like, that's pretty funny. He's also going in the second here. He's going to say, "Above the, above we dream in the Androphorosphere." He's talking. You know what that is? He's talking about Yuri Andropov, who was the premier oh, before Gorbachev. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay. was a hard line, like the the type of Russian that we were all afraid of. Gotcha. Okay. Bad bad guy, but he. I didn't catch that reference. Nice. Yeah, but but he wasn't uh, he wasn't premier for very long. Yeah, it says he maintains the drunken machinery before we dream of a time when the men come from West Point. So once again, he's talking about World War Three again. This is a- like Russia was here because they have they have contracts with Russia. They sell the land, you know. So there it is. We dream in the Andro Androphorosphere. So. We invited Russia in here. They came in and stripped it and left it. And then the boys now we're from dreaming. West Point, now we're dreaming of a time when the Americans will come in. Yeah. Like now it's like we, we need saving yeah. here. Yeah. But it's meanwhile these guys are on the sidelines and they have to deal with this like saber rattling gunboat diplomacy. Where, right. Right. Like, will you guys just please just leave us out of this shit? Like your your cold war that you have going on. So this sound. That is very eighties. It's so deep, right? Yeah, it is. It really is. Oh, wow. Didgeridoo—that's that's kind of how they communicated back and forth, and it's funny that they're going to piggyback this with the next song, which is Bull Roar, which is the other, yeah, the other instrument. Yeah, right. it, it's a string that has kind of a flat piece of wood that they would twist I, around. I think we got that in Crocodile Dundee, didn't we? Didn't they spend one of those when he was maybe there? maybe a boomerang? We, we, he broke off the antenna on the back of the limo and threw. Well, we definitely got a boomerang out yeah. of that. That's right. Thank God those antennas were in V's, man. Or <laughs> yeah. What would have happened in that scene? There's a bull roar. There's the bull roar, yeah. 
And this is how they would communicate over like long distances, right? Like for each other. Now that sounds eighties, very much so. And this is a this but is a the very, bull roar still going by the way. This is a very well crafted song, but yes, this isn't. This is definitely an eighties tune. Yeah. Uh, Twos and fours are, are so strong here. So much riff that um, I, I mentioned the cure before. Can you hear the cure? Definitely, especially on this one. Yeah. Especially the guitar in our left ear right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's some na na There's some na na na. Crap. <laughs> love when he gets up there when when they hit the high registers they sound really good and this is him like coming back to the white people right i've heard the bull roars you guys have no idea what you're doing and it's still playing in the background yeah that guitar tone on that electric there um that is very reminiscent. Well, it's not because it was recorded 30 years older, earlier. But if you remember, Ryan Adams had an album that came out a couple years ago that was really that you and I liked quite yeah. a bit. Prisoner. That guitar tone is all over that. That is a very like late 80s kind of specific guitar sound that's made a comeback, which yeah. I think is great because it sounds really good. I've seen the wild horses. I've heard the bull roars. I mean, he, he's testifying. He's like, I've seen it. Guys. I've been out I've there. Seen, I've been I've out seen there. some shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow, do doot and doos and na 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 nas. There's a lot of it going on today. Yeah. Chorus sound. Chorus is that what that effect is? Yeah, there's there's some chorus on there, but it wasn't that not the obnoxious level that we had. That's that sounds good. Yeah. And that, that sounds a lot like a strat to me, kind of that kind of slightly out of phase. It sounds good. I, th- I think a lot of that post wave um, stuff that was happening kind of in the late '80s, you know, Pixies and that kind of stuff. I mean, I, they were. And that was the Godfathers of grunge. I, I just I think these I, guys I have a lot of grunge from. to it, man. It, it's it's angry enough, but it's not musically angry enough. Does that make sense? It's not personal enough to be grunge. You no, know, grunge was a lot like the shit that I'm going through right now. Right, He's like it's not what I'm going through; it's what they're going through. Right, grunge didn't talk about groups as a whole as a general. I mean, we're generalizing yeah. here, but you're right to your point. It's like what's on my, what's going on in my life. You know, yeah. what, what am I upset about, or what's what's my what's my issues? And that that social protest wasn't really a grunge thing, you know? No. I, mean, I, I think that, um, I think Eddie Vedder had a little bit of that, you know, he had, he had a little bit of fight against the man type. Stuff, I mean, you but, get a little bit of that kind of stuff, but not to this extent, obviously. Yeah. But there's, at a time when the 80s was happening and it was all love and you girl, you know, just like, just so into just like what's happening right now in my bedroom. You don't get any love on well, this. There's no well, romance. I mean, even in excess, we talked about being you know, same place, same time, essentially. You yeah. know, their song 
content is the lyrical content is remarkably different. Way different. Yeah, right? two. Even though some of the music stuff might sound the same, lyrically, not even in the same ballpark. Yeah. Damn. I like that. That is, that is kind of a cool riff there. I love to dig a diggas. Do's, shana nas, dig a dig a dig That's a cool little guitar run. Kind of has that Billy Idol feel. A little bit, yeah. Why wedding? <laughs> yeah. I love that atonal stuff where he's breaking and. That's not even minor. I don't even know what that is. That's there was a lot of overdubs going on right there. They definitely. I mean, there's a big sound. We've talked about that before. I mean, there's there's a large sound on this. So we're into uh, track nine. This is "Sell My Soul," and this is bemoaning the fact that Australia really does have to sell their souls to America and to the UK. Right. You know. Is is there a more '80s sounding guitar riff on this album than the one that we're listening to right now? It even says at one point, America's great if you don't talk back. <laughs> Jim and Jenny said, I think we ended up loving America, but the first time we played there, we were kind of blown away by the, the size of everything. The politics of Reagan, the nuclear stuff, and the 30 different types of milk in the supermarket aisle. That is such a cool quote, right? Just, so, there's a... There was a movie in the 80s with uh, Robin Williams, uh, Moscow on the Hudson. Do you remember that? Yeah, where he had defected. And he's got there's this great scene in there where he's walking down the coffee aisle. Right. And he actually passes out because there's so <laughs> many coffee options. So, yeah, so it's kind of funny for him to say that about the, the milk thing. I mean, so even, once again, I'm not trying to be political, but even for all the problems they want to sing about, 30 kinds of milk versus one, there's, it's a very different world. Yeah, right? yeah. T- totally different yeah. worlds. How do you like the uh, Bob Marley reggae feel yeah there definitely is one isn't there so this reminded me of there's a couple tracks on here that uh, have a little bit of the police vibe to them totally you know know, and that's what what I think of with that because they really embrace the reggae thing that could be Sting singing background vocals there yeah not the same pitch and everything but that sounds like something he would have done I think and they were they did a reggae feel quite a bit of it yeah. yeah Yeah, he's back with the deep. And we're back with the the anthem. Yeah, Yeah. the anthemic thing going on. Just want to swim with the fish in the sea. I just want faith to heal so I can be clean. This is straight up Bob Marley, right? Sure, absolutely. That guitar riff going on is pretty cool. Two of them. Yeah, they're slightly different going back and forth, left and right. You're right. (laughs) 
There's an anger there. Peter Garrett has an anger there. Yeah, they're really, definitely. It's really I'm not hard gonna, I'm, to contain. I'm not gonna sell my soul. Yeah. You hide your face, crawl and rubble, and smile and small. That snail's pace creature going up and down the walls. Man. I imagine that he was a real joy to have a beer with. Oh man. You know, we've all known that guy, right? Yeah. Like. You're sitting there, it's like, hey, you know, how was the football game? You, you want to talk about the plight of the... No. <laughs> damn it, Peter. You have a strange accent. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Dallas. <laughs> oh, you are, huh? God All right. damn it, Peter. Could we get through one fucking night without you? So this is my... I think this is the best song on the album. Really? Yeah. And once again, just because it's so well-crafted and just a great chorus, um, the guitar part on here leads back to, like, the 80s, the police thing again. Yeah, it, it's totally police yeah. thing. But again, this is the... This is... The original last song on the album. Right. This is the altar call. Come to the front. If you've been convicted in your heart, it's time for you to come up here and be baptized. So I like that that, that line there, the Sunset Empire. So the British Empire was famously called the empire that the sun never set on because they controlled the whole world at one point, right? And this is a year before, or this is the year after that they had lost... Australia became independent. I thought that was a pretty neat little nod to that there. You know, he's talking about the Sunset Empire shivers and shakes and here we are, you know. And the song's about like, you know, fighting back. Like sometimes you get kicked down but you come back up again. It's like this is way better than the Chumbawamba version. Gotta pause it for just a second. Go for it. Uh, if you want to learn how to sing in harmony, let's say you're in a band and you want to sing first part, third part, fifth part. Here is your primer because these guys are singing sometimes. And these guys are doing a solid one. To yeah. the call. And the other guy's going, sometimes you're beating to the call. I mean, the, the way that they're able to layer in their their harmonies uh, is really cool. And there's somebody back there who's just singing monotone. Sometimes you're beating to the call. There's, there's a live version of this uh, on Letterman from the 80s that I sent you. Yeah. And uh, that is, you can hear the singing on that better than the album. <laughs> you can actually hear each individual like piece. Well, you of can it. see you can see their faces, and you can too. actually see them doing it too, yeah. which makes a difference. But the drummer's back there singing us, thirds. Yeah, yeah. he's he's on the thirds. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. He goes. I know that the cannibals wear smart suits and ties. I know they arm wrestle on the altar. I say don't leave your heart in a hard place. <laughs> Got a little 80s effects there. <laughs> Once again, the bass line is driving this. I think the, the bass player cannot be uh, unappreciated in their really good songs. He really drives it through. Harmonize. What a big chorus. Huge. Big end. Well, once again, this is... Come to the front. Okay, we're doing protest rock, but you can put your fist in the air and sing along to it. You feel good can, about it yeah. if you want to. You know, and you could show up and sing, and you don't even have to know what we're talking about, and you still might like it. That's so right. It's, it's well-crafted stuff. It is.
And once again, live, I like this a lot better because they don't have like the bells and the yeah. chorus and everything. You just the get the guitar riff. You just get the guitar riff by itself. The way this ends is uh, so pretty to me because that the harm the harmonies really start building here. You know, right. and they kick it up a half a step. Yeah, that's right. He goes real high. Yeah. Like the chorus is so good, they just can't stop doing it, right? Yeah. It's better than a fade out, right? Way better than a fade out. Do we have a fade out today at all? I don't know that we have. I don't think we have. I hadn't noticed one. Love that man. Just a great rocking song. Great, great, yeah. yeah. And, and and a cool, a cool anthem. Uh, if you are Australian, man, what a what a great way to uh, have oh, some I, fun, I, right? absolutely, yeah, yeah. This is our bonus track, last song on the album. This is Gun Barrel Highway. Uh, wasn't on the original, but I gotta say this is a this is a cool way. This is almost like the. Um, um, the encore. Yeah, I, I, I see Th- that. Think of the concept album as we just had our altar call, and, and now we have our encore. We got what? We got one more for you. Yeah, one more for you before you get home. Before you I, get home. I, but that shines on the Bobby. I, I, <laughs> I like the bass on this a lot. He's really carrying the song once again, and the guitar, the guitar pieces are really cool too. Yeah. So very riffy. Yeah. They have enough slightly different guitar tone that they don't step on each other. It becomes obviously two different guys, I think, which is nice. Without being too different. I assume that's an actual highway? He stuck a lot of syllables into that. Kakadu is another town. That's right. right. I think it's what that is. <laughs> Shit falls like rain on a world that is brown is a pretty evocative line. Yeah, and I think that was a line that got it cut from the U.S. release. Oh, gotcha. Okay, because this is back when they had to put labels and everything. Before Tipper Gore. Yeah. This was even, okay, they just didn't sell it. Gotcha. Yeah. I can do without the synth. Yeah, that's not adding anything to the song. I mean, it's kind of that Howard Jones feel, you know? It's like an all synth. But um, they still have their strings going. They still have guitars. That's cool. I could live without it, but that was a nice comeback in there. Yeah, the key change on that one too. Yeah, that's complex. Yeah. 
That's cool. Yeah, the cultures collide on that highway. This actually does make a better end to the album. It really does. Well, again, if we look at this more as a piece, if it's a concept album, uh, and you really do look at this as a as an encore, it's like one. We have one more song. We have one more message. One more. We're, we're gonna send it home real quick. We yeah. want to make sure you guys get it before you leave. I've got one more to let you guys know. Yeah. I just called you to the altar so that you guys come up here and all join together. But there's one more I got to tell you. Our cultures are about to collide, you know, yeah. right here on this highway. On this road. And there is the bitch. goddamn fade out. <laughs> we did so good, man. It was so close. <sighs> what do you think? Well, like I said in the beginning, I mean, I've listened to this three weeks. Um, there's some really good stuff on here. Yeah. Uh, it was an interesting album. It was an interesting choice by you. It was definitely kind of a, a timely choice topically for some of what's going on in the world uh, around us. Sure. Um, but but how if, funny I, if is I don't it? have to listen to it again for a while, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Well, you listen to it a bunch. I mean, it, we had a little bit of space in between with. Yeah, you know, it, we, it, we it broke a little longer than normal. You know, there's some vacations and out of the office it, and stuff. And you it, know. it happens though. I mean, I, I think sometimes um, when, when we started putting this together, the one thing we wanted to make sure we did. I was not rush this and put this into your oh, schedule, yeah. right? Make, it, it needs to feel. It needs to be on our schedule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think uh, last week, if you said, "Hey, let's let's record this a week ago," I would have said, "You know what? I, I need another." Sure. I, I really need to listen to this one more time because I've heard it so many times and I've sung along to those words so many times, not knowing what I was saying. Uh, that I really need to go back one more time and just reevaluate what's there. You know, if uh, if I had actually listened to it over the last thirty years, like you have. Or if I'd owned it when it came out, I might have had a different opinion on the subject. So, so many of these songs, it was the first time I'd ever heard them. Sure. And, uh, you know, being uh, very 80s, you know, very from a time, you know, I love that kind of music, but most of the stuff I love is the stuff that I used to listen to. Sure. So, you know, you kind of sure. get into it. I think there's uh, there's some good songwriting on there. Uh, there's The guitar players are both very good. Uh, there's some very well-crafted songs. Um, their unique take on the... Uh, the protest music is interesting. Yeah. The way they crafted it, it was well done. Um, never going to end up in my pantheon of best albums, but definitely a worthy choice and something that was a lot of fun to dissect. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Every time I listen to that album, it's always over before I realize it's going to be over. Gotcha. You know, when sometimes comes up and I realize, like, what am I... <laughs> Man, have I, have I sit here for 40 minutes listening to this album and just not even realize that it's there? Uh, I, I think that's one of the really cool things about this is... Uh, the feeling that it grabs, that it can, you know, it, it can tell the story to you and that it's over with so fast. Uh, just like I, I bet if you go back and look at, you know, for 30 years, they've been saying, we've been telling you guys this whole time that this is happening and things are either better or they're not better or, you know, what has changed for these people over the past 30 years uh, where we just kind of grabbed onto 40 songs and threw it out there to you. Uh, what, what difference has it made? You know, sure. at, at some point, we have to have made a difference in the lives of these people. Did it make a difference? You know, yeah. are well, people paying attention to uh, these people? I mean, Peter Garrett went on to have a career in this, so yeah. maybe he did. And obviously, the this album launched him. Definitely helped his popularity. So, sure. I mean, maybe it did. Maybe it did make a difference. I mean, maybe his legacy is that he actually did change some of the things he's, that the band set out to change yeah. by his being in public office, which he would not have achieved if it hadn't been for the success, the worldwide success of this album. That's absolutely right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, this is our favorite albums. Thank you so much for being with us. We have covered Midnight Oil's 1987 album diesel and dust we appreciate you sticking with us we'll be back uh, very shortly with one of uh, our favorite albums thanks for hanging with us 